Well, thank you, Brother Corey. Uh, thank you all for allowing me to be here. I, I truly believe that the, the best way to um, begin this is that apostolic greeting that Paul gives us. Grace and peace be unto you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is an honor and a privilege to be here once again to worship our risen Savior alongside the saints here in Russellville. Our passage today will be from Revelation chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Revelation 5 and we will be reading the entirety of the chapter. As you're turning there, I want us to be reminded that John is writing this while in exile on the Isle of Patmos. He was taken up in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and it was in this, in this state, in this spiritual state, that he received the vision of these things. Now, I know that this book is one that's often abused or, or misunderstood or misinterpreted, and there are some things in this book that are very difficult to understand. But as we come to this text, I want us to keep in mind the words of Paul in 2 Timothy. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof, for doctrine, for correction, for instruction, in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. Now, if we truly believe that, then we must believe that it's true of Revelation as well. So I pray today that we will see how this passage is profitable and useful for making the saints here perfected and furnished into all good works by the power of the Holy Spirit through Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So hear now the word of the Lord from Revelation chapter 5. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth unto all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps 
and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard a voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing in every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you today on this day that you have set aside one in seven to be wholly devoted unto you in the private and public worship of you, triune, holy God. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes, open up our ears, open up our hearts to this message that you have from, for us from your word here in Revelation 5. Father, prepare us for what you have for us and bless the reading of your word and where my stumbling, stammering, lisping tongue may fail. Send your spirit to work in my stead. It's in Christ Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We're living in great times. Now, I know that statement may seem a little crazy to you, given all that is going on, but don't let Fox News or or CNN or Facebook distract you from the incredible things that are taking place in these times. Just the other day, two of my friends who I was in Iraq with, one of which was an agnostic and the other a literal pagan, were called by the Lord unto himself and have trusted in him for their salvation. Do you understand how amazing that is? Two people were brought from death unto life. Praise God. I'm hearing people tell me almost on a daily basis about how their church has grown in the midst of this epidemic. And it's not just one church. No, it's several 
people telling me this about their church is experiencing massive amounts of growth all in the midst of this turmoil that we're facing. That means that more people are hearing the truths of the gospel presented on a weekly basis. That means that more people are getting connected with and involved in a local church. Do you see how amazing that is? The kingdom of God is advancing. Praise God. And imagine my surprise when a few weeks ago I get a message from Corey saying that this congregation has extended him an offer to be stated supply and to be the one that regularly leads this congregation. I was overjoyed. So many times I have stood in this very pulpit crying out to God to raise up and equip someone to shepherd this flock and He has done it in our own backyard. He has blessed this congregation with a man who loves the Lord and will teach the people faithfully. Praise God. Now, I know that these amazing things that are happening can can still be a little worrisome for us because we don't like change. But take refuge in the promises of Christ. As as things begin to change, as some things go away and some things stay the same, rest in your risen Savior. This is what I want us to see in this passage today. That Christ, our risen Savior, is the victorious Lamb of God. I want us to notice four things in this passage. That man is unworthy, but the Lamb is worthy. And it's the Lamb who calls a people unto Himself. And this ought to cause us to worship Him. So let's look back at our text beginning in verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept. Much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Here we see this this book or, or scroll that is written on both sides. Now to us, this really doesn't seem like a big deal. It doesn't really mean anything to us, but if you recall how the writing of scrolls took place during this time, you'll remember that they were only written on one side. And that had a purpose. Because if you wrote on both sides, you ran the risk of damaging the writings when you rolled the scroll. 
But here we see that there's writing on both sides, yet there is no damage. This speaks to how extensive and how comprehensive the decrees of God are. This book of God's decrees, the the revelation of the Lord is sealed with seven seals, signifying the perfect and complete nature of God's decrees for all time. Nothing can be added to nor taken away. But there's a problem. The book's not open. God's decrees are still sealed away. Next, we see this strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? What's the response to this angel's call for one to come and to open the book and to loose the seals? Deafening silence. Nothing. Still. Quiet. And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. The angel cries out with a loud voice, asking if anyone, anywhere, was worthy to lay claim to the scroll. And there was no such figure in all of God's creation, not even among the angels. No one was worthy for no one had earned the right to stand before the presence of God and lay claim to the scroll. Did you catch that? No one. No one was worthy. No one could open the book or loose its seals. Man is utterly unworthy to behold the divine decrees of the Lord. Do you sense how hopeless that sounds? Can you feel how much despair has come over all creation because of the unworthiness of man? John felt it. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. John knew what it meant that man was unworthy to open the book, and this fact caused him to weep. Now this term doesn't just mean a a gentle sob or even a standard cry. No, What John does here is a continual emotional pouring out of his soul for quite some time. He felt the reality that because of man's unworthiness, there was absolutely no hope. But that's not where the passage ends. It doesn't stop with the unworthiness of man and the lack of hope to be found. Thank God it does not end there. But it continues on saying, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of 
of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth unto all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang, they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hath made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. First thing I want us to notice here in this portion is that it's not an angel that comes to comfort John. It's not one of the beasts from before the throne of God. No. It's one of the 24 elders. These elders represent the church, 12 representing the patriarchs of old and 12 representing the 12 apostles. The elder has the honor of pointing John in the, in the midst of his tear to the victorious Lamb of God. The imagery is reminiscent of the honor of proclaiming the gospel that God gives to His church, His people on earth. An honor that not even the angels uh, have in the same measure. And it is to Christ, the Lion of Judah, the Root of David, that this elder points John. This Lion of David who, who is the one who hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. He is the one who undoes all of the hopelessness experienced because of the unworthiness of man. Because He is worthy. But it's interesting to note that when when John looks, he doesn't see this regal lion, fierce and, and mighty. But instead, his eyes fall upon the perfect paschal lamb, which was slain. As the lamb stands in the midst, he does so as one that has been slain, a witness to his death on the cross. But it's also a witness to His resurrection. For though once slain, He now stands. And He lives forever. And the passage says of the Lamb, And He came and took the book out of the right hand of Him who sat on the throne. Here we see the power and authority of the Lamb to approach the throne of the holy and living God and to take the book out of His right hand. It can only be someone who has the authority of God that can come before the throne of God and to take something out of His right hand 
which signifies His power. Only the Lamb can do this. Why? Because He is God Himself. God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, is the one who satisfies the needs of worth to be able to peer into the divine decrees of the Lord. He is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals because there is no imperfection found in Him. Oh, what joy has come from this glorious truth. Christ, our victorious Lamb, is worthy. Let's look back at our passage beginning in verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps, and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Here we see one of the reasons for the Lamb being worthy. It's because of His sacrifice, taking on the sins of His people, dying the death that we should have died, that He is declared worthy. In His death, He calls to Himself a chosen people. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. This is huge. Do you see the universal nature of Christ calling a people unto himself? It's not just Jews, it's not just Greeks. It's not just Europeans. It's not just Americans. No, He has redeemed people by His blood from every kindred and tongue and people and nation. We're catching a glimpse of the divine decrees here in this verse. While we don't know who those who have been redeemed by Christ are, we know that they come from everywhere. There's not one nation, not one realm, not one culture, not one ethnicity that does not have people purchased by Christ's blood. So what draws them to Him? Well, the Holy Spirit, of course, but more specifically, the Holy Spirit working through the ordinary means of grace, such as the preaching of the Word. Romans 10.14 says, How then shall they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Brothers and sisters, this is our calling. This is our role that God has chosen for us to be an instrument in calling people out of this world and unto Christ. 
This isn't specifically talking about the preacher on Sunday mornings proclaiming the word from a pulpit. No, this is talking about the simple proclamation of the gospel. So if we're called to proclaim the gospel, who do we proclaim it to? Every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Think about where we are right now. In this town, there's, there's roughly 10,000 people. There are people from America, Central America, South America, Asia. You're currently living in a community that embodies this notion of every kindred and uh, tongue and people and nation. The Lord has providentially placed you here with such a diverse population surrounding you in order for you to fulfill the mandate to proclaim the gospel to all peoples. We must be careful not to get so comfortable in our insulated, tight-knit groups that of, of like-minded, like-cultured people that we lose sight of the bigger picture. The victorious Lamb of God has chosen a people for Himself and He has ordained that our proclamation of the Gospel is the means by which they are brought into the fold. Don't just believe it's true. Show that it's true. Remember this calling of people and ransoming them by His blood from every kindred and tongue and people and nation includes us as well. That glorious truth ought to drive us to proclaim the very same gospel that saved us to this lost and dying world. But not only that, this, this calling of a people unto the Lord ought to evoke in us a response of worship. Let's conclude with our passage. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen, and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. At the revelation of the Lamb who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals, the response of the angels and the elders in the heavenly throne room of God is to worship. They attribute to the Lamb blessing and honor and glory and power. These qualities refer to the supreme power and wealth 
and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and dominion that belong to God alone. These qualities are attributed to the Lamb in uh, chapter 5, verse 12, and are shared equally between God and the Lamb in verse 13. Since Christ is and was God from all eternity, He has always possessed these qualities. But it's only after His ascension, and especially after His return in glory, that He will publicly exercise them for all to see. This is why He is the rightful object of our worship. It is the Lamb who has stripped away all hopelessness found in creation due to man's unworthiness. It is the Lamb who is worthy to open up and to bring forth the divine decrees of the Lord. It is the Lamb who ransomed people by His blood unto God from every kindred and tongue and people and nation. What other response could there be than to prostrate oneself before the Lord of glory and sing praises to our victorious Lamb. Brothers and sisters, this must be our response. When we ponder the works of our Savior, when we see the great love with which He loves us, when we truly recognize how vile sinners we were and that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, hopelessly lost in the flesh, when we see the glory of the redemption purchased by His blood on the cross on our behalf, when we marvel at the resurrection and ascension of our Lord on high, the only response we can have is to bow down and worship Him. This chapter presents us with weeping and singing. John looked and he had no hope, so he wept. Then he looked again and saw not only hope, but certainty, and he sang. His weeping was turned into singing. Maybe some of you have looked and looked and looked, and you've prayed and you've prayed and prayed, and you can only weep because you haven't found the Savior. I say to you, look again. He's on the throne. He's available. He's approachable. He delights in having sinners come to Him with all their sins. He can turn your weeping into singing. Don't stay away from Him. Because on the last day, there will be a weeping that doesn't turn into singing. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you were to die today, where would you go? To that place of unending weeping or to that place of unending singing? 
If you're among those redeemed by Christ's blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, then join together with the saints through all ages as we close by singing a psalm of praise to our victorious Lamb. Let's pray first. Father God, we stand before You amazed that You, the glorious King, has, have sent Your Son to die in our stead. That You, in Your mercy, chose not to destroy us, but to re- redeem us. Father, as we continue on through our lives, let us look to the risen Lamb of God who stands victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. Father, let us look to Christ as our Redeemer, our Savior, and our friend. Father God, we ask that you send your spirit to motivate us, to dwell with us, to guide us and direct us as we go through this life in this world that is not our home. And Father, we pray that you would give us the strength and the courage and the wisdom to be used as instruments to go into this lost and dying world world around us and to proclaim the gospel to those that are around us. Father, let us meditate upon these truths as we continue to worship you throughout the rest of this Lord's day and on to this week. It's in Christ Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.